I gotta really put my face in it. There it is. Your face is in it. Boom. Bumper. Are we doing this? From the studios of KVNO at the University of Nebraska Omaha. You are on the Innovation Overground. My name is Joe Runge. I am here with public intellectual Charlie Litton. Oh, yeah, I guess that's me. Sure. Say hi, Charlie. Hi. As well hi. as uh, front and back squat enthusiast, Dr. Tyler Scher. <laughs> Mostly back squats. Let's get that out there. He's Wait, gunning for the O-line this hold year. On. I, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you before you finish your spiel here. Tyler. Is it share or sure? Yeah, because we'd kind of like to know. Because you know, <laughs> I've been share. have guys. It's, it's share. share. All yeah, right. So always, you. So hold share. on a second. We're like, I don't know, 13, 14 episodes into this thing, and you're just now letting us. know. I've known you for like two years, <laughs> and you're just now letting me know that I've been, I've been mispronouncing your name this whole time. That is South Dakota nice, right there. I mean, I seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I honestly didn't even notice. <laughs> I did not even notice. It's not my real name. <laughs> okay, so just so all the listeners out there, the people who make this show do not listen to it while we make it. <laughs> Beatrice and Floyd are going to be very upset about that. All right, sorry, Joe. Please finish in the intro. <laughs> wait, where was I? Uh, I think you're going to say that we're. Sponsored oh wait. By- yeah, we're sponsored by Unimed, the technology. I didn't say that. Also. We're sponsored by Unimed, the technology transfer office for the University of Nebraska Omaha we and didn't the do University of Nebraska Medical Center. This is going to actually air before the one we just You are going to have some editing to do on <laughs> so, this one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you not paying attention, uh, we, we – Like Tyler. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, think, I think I smell an Emmy. <laughs> what is the podcast version of an Emmy? I smell a potty. <laughs> oh, this is too. Let's just do this. I know. We don't need a topic. We're just freestyle. We're gonna change hosts and see what happens. Tyler, I do believe you have a very special message for the for the listeners out there. For anyone still listening, <laughs> please oh please like and subscribe. Uh, give us a sp- five star rating, please. Only good rating or a thumbs up. I don't know if you can do the stars. I mean, I've been looking all over. I think or a high five. I don't know. Just you listen. Can you yeah. just uh, someone write a bake us a cake and mail it to Send us? Send us an email. Let us know you're out there. And if you subscribe through Apple iTunes, for example, will this automatically show up on your phone every Monday? It'll be perfect. It's great. It's- Easy, except when we don't. Right. So uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us with the uh, change in host. We are doing this for a very special reason today. We have a particular topic that is near and dear to you. Yeah, I got to get something off my chest. Yeah. Charlie, you just go. I'm not going to set you up. Because the thing is, look, my brother is uh, one of the smartest people I know. He's, He's pursuing a PhD at a different university in a different state. And our... Our, uh, my other brother, my middle brother, he got married, and so that tends to bring the family together. And I'm talking to my brother for the first time in like 20 years because he doesn't like me much, as you can probably imagine. So we don't talk very often, but he's telling me about one of his projects he's working on. He's in computers. I don't know what he does to make the magic tubes work, but uh, he's got an idea to make a central processing faster. Or I shouldn't say faster, more efficient. Got it. So, as I understand it, I think it's Moore's law that says, like, every 18 months or something like that, computing power gets twice as fast or doubles, yep, something sure. like that. Yeah, well, it's it's reached a point now where it's not going to get much faster. You know, when you take 
you know, when you get to infinitesimally smaller fractions and the, the difference between one and two is not the same as it was between, you know, iteration 15 and are, 16. We are reaching right? physical limitations. Of yeah, it's like you're getting into the yeah. size of atoms now, I think. So you can't really do, it's not going to get much faster. And so he's got an idea to, to somehow tease some more speed and more processing out of it just with efficiencies through, I think, software coding. And I don't know, it's magic to me. But he then talked as well well now because i work in an intellectual property office or the, the tech transfer office here i'm like well so you're talking to your tech transfer office over there right they're gonna i mean before you write your right, dissertation you know you're gonna talk to them first you're not gonna publish you don't disclose this right away right tech and he kind of looked he looked at me like i like i was you know a three-headed dog or something because i think his pi is bigfooting him into thinking that he has to disclose anything he does to him first his pi so he's like, well, I have to include him if I'm going to, you know, protect the the, the idea. No, 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 no. I'm no. thinking, well, hold on a second. Did he help you think of the idea? Now, tell me if I'm wrong here because I, I kind of ranted at him. So maybe I gave him some really bad advice. So let's give me another 20 years before you talk to him. <laughs> it might be. I kind of I took off my shoe and I pounded it on the table. And I said, look, just because he's your PI and maybe Again, he helped with you. with the with you. <laughs> and he's going to review. He's, look, a, a patent application is not a peer review. If, if it's your idea, unless somebody else helped you conceive the idea, it doesn't belong to anyone else but you. You don't need to talk to your PI. Aren't you? You, before you go to your TTO, way to apply conceived perfectly, Good right? Job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so we have an attorney here with us. Yeah, is so, inventorship the same as authorship? So, Mr. Patent Lawyer, I mean, what what else would you have told him? So, I think that you definitely start at the right point, right? And and just you know, try not to presume. You you don't know the whole story, and, right. and you need to talk. I mean, whenever there's a dispute related to inventorship, just as like there's a dispute related to authorship, you need to hear everyone out, right? And and sort of hear that. So you know, knowing that, right? But at the same time, yes, you're coming from the same point, which is. Authorship, especially in academic papers, you know, it, it's it's awarded for a lot of different reasons. It's awarded based on contribution. It's awarded based on you know access to facilities and things like that. So sometimes there's not so much a focus on what you actually did, um, and and that's totally legitimate. I mean, you know, the the, the conventions of authorship are, are their own thing. They are, however, very different than inventorship. And inventorship has sort of two steps. You have to conceive of an idea and reduce it to practice. And generally, to be an inventor you want to be on that conception part. Um, I often describe inventorship as uh, really um, tied to sort of Victorian area engineering, <laughs> Victorian era engineering, where you have the gentleman, you know, writing it up on the chalkboard and telling the boys in the shop to build it for them. And, and it's really stilted towards that conception. But in the end, that is still the legal structure we have. So to your, your and I'm sure your brother's listening, um, you know, it's... The, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, no. man. Rough wedding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just went downhill from there. You talked him into quitting his job, so of course he's not listening. Yeah, he's <laughs> on a he's on a boat in Thailand right now. I gave him some bad advice. He wants to buy a rubber plantation somewhere in India. I think I don't know. Best move I ever made. So um, I, yeah, no. It, it, his his principal investigator or whoever his boss is, you know, simply by being his boss, does not get an inventorship credit. So what does it take? I mean, if you're a, so let's say I have an idea for an app, you know, a wedding app that uh, does things for weddings, whatever, <laughs> helps it. coordinate your flower arrival. I want to invest. Uh, <laughs> sold. Um, so, you know, if we talk Ty about. Tyler just handed a big pile of I jelly beans. If I Charlie. tell you my idea, I want to do this flower wedding coordination app. Right. And then you say, you know what you should do? You right. should make it yellow. 
Does that make you now a co-inventor? It depends. Right? Is that enough? Like how, how important is yellow, right? All this becomes like, all right, so we're talking about inventors, so we're talking about patents. Patents live in two parts. There is the claims, and then there's the specification. And so if you are going through patent prosecution and the patent examiner is citing 20 different wedding apps, but yours is the one that has yellow in it, and you need to put that in the claims, boom, I have to be an inventor because yellow it. is my idea, Charlie. Got it. All right. You didn't have yellow. You, well, you had nothing. Go, I'm going to go with purple then. Oh, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> it's going to be a competing product. I actually teach away from purple. So. Okay. <laughs> so now how about this then? If you have a um, – oh, I forgot my train of thought now. Dang, dang it. So what are some examples? Do we have any examples within our um, our technology portfolio that maybe is even software-related Uh that, that kind of relates here with... Well, I think software is actually a really good story because okay. software, you sort of twist inventorship and authorship together. So, um, you know, software is difficult to understand in terms of intellectual property sometimes because the intellectual property structures, you know, invention, or sorry, patents and copyrights and trademarks, they didn't really contemplate electricity and, and computers. And so software elements of it are, are patentable, elements of it are covered under copyright for the actual code that, that people write. And so you can do this interesting exercise where you have a software product. Some people are inventors, some people are authors, some people are both, some people are neither. And so I think for us, what we will do is, uh, especially working at the medical center, we'll have an idea for an application, uh, maybe not a wedding application, uh, an EMR application or, or something to use in, in the clinic. And then we will come over to the beautiful University of Nebraska Omaha and recruit some software engineers to help build it. And what they will do is build the thing that was conceived of by the clinical fa faculty. Okay, I'm, can I interrupt now? Mm -hmm. Because, so you got, they're, they're putting students to work, right? Right. So now if a student invents something in the course of that work, are they obligated then to go to their PI and say, hey, before I disclose this to the TTO, mm -hmm. they, are they obligated then to tell the PI that? So it depends on the student, I suppose, right? I mean, yeah. students, generally pay to go here. I mean, can they, I mean, I so, mean, do they, I, I guess we're only talking about convention here at the University of Nebraska, Omaha, University of Nebraska Medical Center. So it might not apply anywhere else. But I mean, if a, if a student inventor has something, a part of a project and they disclose to us, hey, I have this invention. Mm -hmm. Is that a problem? Uh, I mean, if they're the sole conceiver of it. So stepping back, right, there, there's two things here one you know invention is invention is invention if you're an inventor you're an inventor and and whatever problems that has are, are there so okay. it doesn't matter on another level most of the undergraduate students that are, are walking by the window right now they're not employees they're the opposite they're they're paying to be here or they're on scholarship or whatever so if they invent something they have no obligation to report it to us they, they don't work for us we don't work for them right and we okay. like it that way i see however if you have a student who has a job here, so you have a research fellow or you have a graduate student who has a, a fellowship or, or is otherwise supported, they are employees. They are the same as uh, uh, an employee at a company. And we have a, an intellectual property policy that they agree to when they sign their employment contracts, and they're obligated to report their intellectual property that they create as part of their job. So those students that build software application, if they create anything new, they are covered under the intellectual property policy. But Unlike if they worked at a company where their job is to create things, you know, they are students and, and they're learning and, and they're teaching, and they're participating in the academic environment here. They are entitled to a portion of the proceeds that come from that. And that, that's something that they sort out with all the other co-inventors and 
authors um, on the project. And when the university starts making revenue, um, like we aim to do on so many projects, they get a part of that as a reward for doing tech transfer with us above and beyond. So what's the risk then if uh, if, I, if I, let's just say it's a grad student working on a dissertation um, to keep my brother's case in mind. Um, he mm -hmm. writes his paper, publish or doesn't publish, but does you know what you do for a dissertation anyway. Um, and let's say it's a really interesting idea that a Microsoft or Google or Apple or somebody like that is interested in. What's the likelihood then of that being pursued by one of those companies if it's been published in that way or disclosed in that way as a dissertation? So that's a really good question. Um, and ultimately, it comes down to what is essential and needs to be protected. If your brother's idea is fully functional or if he writes some code that no one else can replicate because it was just a brilliant stroke on his part, then you know he can just sort of keep that buttoned up. But the problem is, is he's a graduate student and any code that he writes is the property of the university in terms of that intellectual property. Right. And so while it's his intellectual creation, you know, the papers that he writes, the, the slides that he teaches on, those are his. But once he starts creating research intellectual property, if he invents a drug, if he you know, writes an a application, if he um, does another thing that produces intellectual property. Um, <laughs> I want to get the, two examples. <laughs> comedy comes in threes, right? Um, the, uh, then he'll, I'm, I'm really distracted by my squeaky chair. Um, the, uh, the, we'll have it removed. You're, you're, after you're, you're, this, after this one. Oh, man. <laughs> there we go. Office yeah. space on it. Um, no, the, 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 the university has a stake to that. And so, you know, one of the things that we have to be very cautious of when we're developing these projects, uh, a good example is, is the WeChart, which is a, a very clinical-driven kind of software concept that was produced in a class at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. And we need to be very certain that all the students that were working on it had fellowships, that they qualified under policy. So that way it wasn't half-owned by the university and half-owned by a person. It's well, quickly, WeChart, is that is that like a hospital charting software? Yeah, it's a, it's a, an application that's meant to uh, assist in running sort of various emergencies uh, that kind of go along with... Uh, hospital oh, oh is this, so if you have traumatic bleeding it kind of makes sure you don't skip it is it, is it like a checklist almost yeah it's like a it's an automated checklist and okay. so um actually it's even now there's a, a nurse whose job is to chart and she'll also sit there and sort of check things off to make sure well, or he will will make sure that things happen in the appropriate order this is software that does it for you okay okay um and, and then so now i'm sorry i interrupted though you're about the uh when you're working with students and I guess of different levels, undergrad, graduate, mm -hmm. and then of course professors. Right, and in the end, the thing that, that sort of unites them is are the employees or not? And if they are, they're subject to university policy, and if they're not, they're not. And you know, for us, kind of getting that straight from the beginning is, is really important. So I think with that, it's time that we come to ground. I wanna thank uh, Charlie Litton and Tyler Scher. Uh, again, this is innovation. Share. Share. You know what, Man. I'm just. You know what, I think we just changed his name. It's okay, I he doesn't even know, he, he doesn't, doesn't listen. What? He's not even here. I think it's pronounced. Uh, I think it's pronounced Tyler who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please be sure to rate us and uh, leave us a review in the uh, whatever application you are listening to this podcast on. And thank you very much for listening.